He is risen. He has risen. One more time. He has risen. You may be seated. Thank you, Mark and Vicki, for helping proclaim what we're here today to celebrate, and that is that God's not dead. And my hope is that today will be a day that reaffirms your belief in the resurrection. But I realize that all around the world today, all around our country today, there are people that, that don't buy the resurrection. They don't accept the idea that Jesus Christ walked on this earth and that he died and that he rose again. And so to begin this morning, I thought I'd do something that would help us all understand the Easter story maybe a little bit better together. We're going to take a quiz. So grab a piece of paper, your bulletin, whatever it may be, grab a pencil. Those of you that are frowning, don't worry, this quiz isn't worth any point value whatsoever. But we're going to investigate Easter week together. How well do we know the story of Holy Week? And we're going to go through this quickly. Question number one, four choices. What Jewish festival was about to begin as Holy Week commences? Is it Festivus? Is it Passover? Is it Christmas? Or is it Yom Kippur? Pick one of those four. Question number two. What was the name of the soldier whose ear was cut off by Peter? Was it Malchus? Was it Maximus? Was it Matthew? Or was it Eisenhower? Let me give you a hint. It wasn't Eisenhower. Number three. How long was Jesus on the cross before he succumbed to death? Was it four hours? Was it six hours? Was it nine hours? Or was it 12 hours? Question number four. What did the sign posted above Jesus on the cross read? Did it read, don't mess with Rome? Did it read, false prophet? Did it read, this is the king of the Jews? Or did it say, God is dead? Number five, which of these phrases did Jesus not say while he was on the cross? He uttered seven different phrases. One of these he did not say. Did he not say, I am thirsty? Did he not say, I am tired? Did he not say, here is your mother? Did he not say it is finished? Question number six. Which disciple refused to believe that Jesus rose again? He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I won't believe it. Was it Peter? Was it Judas? Was it John? Or was it Thomas? And question number seven. What did several of the disciples start doing again after the death and resurrection of Jesus? According to the Gospel of John, was it fishing? Was it tax collecting? Was it whining or was it preaching? Okay, how many of you got seven out of seven, do you think? If you got seven out of seven, you do not have to cook Easter dinner today, okay? Someone else will come and do I don't know who will do that, but someone else will come and do that for you. Let's see how you did. Question number one, what Jewish festival was about to begin during this week? Survey says Passover. How many of you got that right? A lot of us got that right, good. Question number two. What was the name of the soldier whose ear was cut off by Peter? Survey says Malchus. Very good. Number three. How long was Jesus on the cross before he succumbed to death? Survey says six hours. He was nailed to the cross at the third hour, 9 a.m. And shortly before he died, he uttered the words, it is finished. And six hours later, he passed away. Question number four. What did the sign posted above Jesus on the cross say? The king of the Jews. King of the Jews. Number five. 
Which of these phrases did Jesus not say while he was on the cross? Survey says, I am tired. Even though he probably was really tired, he'd been up all night long, he'd gone through six different trials, he'd been beaten near death, he never uttered that. He did say, I am thirsty. He did say to John, here is your mother, here is your son, and he did say, it is finished. Question number six, which disciple refused to believe Jesus rose again unless I see the nail marks in his hands? Survey says, Thomas, don't be a doubting Thomas. I know most of you nailed that. And number seven, what did several of the disciples start doing again after the death and resurrection of Jesus? And the answer is, fishing. And if you want to hear more about that account, that's found in John chapter 21. Come back next week. We're going to look at that account of Peter and John and Andrew and the others going back to fishing and what Jesus had to say to them. How many of you got all seven right? I know some of you did. Oh, wow, that's great. I don't know who's cooking in some of your houses, but that's okay. Here's the point, though. This is what I want you to see. We could spend all day long throwing trivia out there, facts out there, figuring out which one of us knows the most about the accounts of Holy Week in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. But I want you to hear this morning, there's really only one fact that I think matters today. And that is, did Jesus Christ overcome death? Is the resurrection fiction, as many people would say? Or is it fact? Can you take it to the bank? That Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and on the third day rose again, as Matthew and Mark and Luke and John claim happened. I read this week about some former skeptics who took upon the challenge of the resurrection. Many of them were atheists, all of them were skeptics, and they didn't really believe that the concept of the resurrection could be legitimate. The first person that I read about is a guy by the name of Simon Greenleaf. Simon Greenleaf. He's one of the founders of Harvard Law School. He authored the authoritative three-volume text, A Treatise on the Law of Evidence, 1842. He's considered to be absolutely brilliant in the history of the American legal system. And yet he was an atheist, and it really rubbed him the wrong way that people talked about the resurrection as if it were a fact. And he had some students in his class challenge him on his atheism. Does that sound familiar to any movie that you might have seen recently? And so he put Jesus Christ on trial. And at the end of that trial, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He was baptized. And here's what he wrote from his book, testimony of the evangelist. Let the gospel's testimony be sifted as if it were given in a court of justice on the side of the adverse party, the witness being subjected to a rigorous cross-examination. The result, it is confidently believed, will be an undoubting conviction of the integrity, ability, and truth of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. He's a a, a former father of the modern-day apologetics movement. What about Sir Lionel Lacou? You probably don't know this name. Lionel Lacou is in the Guinness Book of World Records. He's a trial lawyer. He's actually dead now. He was a trial lawyer. While he was alive, he won 245 consecutive murder trial acquittals on behalf of his defendants. 
245. Now, some of you may say he didn't ever take any tough cases. I don't know if that's the case or not. But at the age of 64, he became so frustrated by the people around him that were sold-out followers of Jesus Christ that just like Simon Greenleaf, he investigated the evidence. He rolled up his sleeves and he got busy. And here is what he wrote at the end of his study. He said, I humbly add that I've spent more than 42 years as a defense trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and I'm still in active practice. I've been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials, and I say unequivocally, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Started out a skeptic, converted to Christianity, and spent the rest of his life defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, defending the resurrection. What about Lee Strobel? Lee Strobel went to the University of Missouri. He entered into a career in journalism. He won all kind of awards writing for the Chicago Tribune. And one day he came home and he couldn't believe his ears when his wife told him that she had converted to Christianity. And he said, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And what bothered him more than anything else was that people would accept the resurrection as fact. And so he put the resurrection on trial. And as so many people before him had done, he studied the evidence. He called witnesses. He did everything he could to disprove the resurrection to disprove the claims of Matthew and of Mark and of Luke and of John. And when the trial was over, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And he wrote what I think is one of the, the greatest works of apologetics in the modern day, the case for Christ. It's in our library. You should check it out. You should read it. His comment and challenge to anyone that is a skeptic is this. In the end, he says, judge the evidence for yourself, acting as the lone juror in the case for Jesus Christ. See, it's nothing new to doubt the claims of the resurrection. It's nothing new to doubt the claims of Scripture. And more than ever before, people are rising up in our country and are proclaiming that God is dead. Or that God never existed. Or that God is not relevant. But friends, we gather here this morning to proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. And that all the answers to all the questions in the world can be answered through the name of Jesus. In John chapter 20, it is the chapter the Gospel of John dedicates to the account of the resurrection. We read about what took place early on that first day of the week. It says, early on the first day of the week... While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, John, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Do you realize that the disciples and Mary Magdalene and so many others that followed after Jesus, many for as long as three years, had lived with Jesus, and they'd heard him say things like, I must die, and on the third day I will rise again. And then Holy Week came, and after the parade of what we call Palm Sunday, accusations began to fly, and trials began to commence. 
beatings took place. And he was murdered. He was crucified. He was executed on that Friday. And he was buried in a tomb. And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb and the tomb is empty. You think she might say, wow, Jesus knew what he was talking about. But Mary Magdalene and the disciples and and Thomas, they all doubted. They all struggled to believe that the resurrection could actually be true. And it's a personal encounter, Jesus with Mary, Jesus with the disciples, Jesus with Thomas, that changes everything. When Mary Magdalene finally sees Jesus and realizes that he's not the gardener, she cries out with the word teacher, Rabbi. When the disciples finally unlock the door and they, they spend time with Jesus, the text tells us they were overjoyed. Thomas, who said he wouldn't believe unless he saw the nail stained hand himself, saw Jesus. And all he could say was, My Lord and my God. John 20. The, life's, uh, the lives of Simon Greenleaf, Lionel Lucku, Lee Strobel. They all teach us the same lesson. Seeing Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Seeing Jesus makes all the difference in the world. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He killed Christians until he literally saw the light. He was on the road to Damascus, and a great light overwhelmed him, and he had a personal encounter with Jesus. And he went from persecutor of Christians to the greatest preacher the world has ever seen, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. And in all of the books that he wrote, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. I think the most important thing that he wrote is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and here's what he says. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What's the Apostle Paul saying? What are all of these testimonies that I've shared with you today saying? They're saying this, God's not dead. They're saying Jesus is the answer. God's not dead. Jesus is the answer. I don't know why you're here today. Maybe you're here because you go to church every week. Maybe you're here because you had to be. Someone made you come to church today and you came in protest. Why ever, whatever, whenever you come, understand Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the hope. John chapter 20 ends with a verse that's one of my favorite in all of Scripture. John tells us why he wrote the Gospel of John. And here's what he said. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Friend, that's my prayer for you. That you can reaffirm that statement or maybe for the very first time affirm that statement that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He rose from the dead. And we have a life eternal waiting for us because of him. God's not dead. He's surely alive. That is the story of Easter. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for 
Jesus, your son. And you know, it really is all about Jesus. We look our best on Easter. We have fancy meals. We do Easter egg hunts. We give our kids chocolate. We do all kinds of rituals. But it's all about your son, Jesus. And the life that he brings, the death that he overcame, the hope that we have. Help us to never forget that. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is invitation time, as it is every Sunday here at our church. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you this morning right now to come forward. Adam Brucker, our youth minister, myself, we're up front. We would love to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you. Maybe you're here, you're not sure why you're here, you're struggling, and you just want someone to pray with you. I'd love to have the opportunity. Adam would love to pray with you as we stand and Sam and the band leads us in our song of commitment. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Let's sing this song together. It's talking about how Jesus died and was resurrected. He did it all for us. And that's because of that, it can be our story. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Air of salvation, virtue This is my 
we come to that time in our service where we are going to collect an offering. And uh, we actually also offer you the opportunity to give to a special offering. We do a special offering every Easter, and this year it's been designated for Little Galilee Christian Camp, one of God's very special places, which now has a zip line as of Thursday. And I can't wait to try that out.